0: Well good morning everyone, it's great to be with you again and I certainly do hope that you are keeping safe and well these days. So today we're going to continue our journey through Paul's letter to the Philippians and we're still on chapter 2 and we will ultimately land on verses 12 to 16. And there'll also be some overlap with uh, what Pastor Rob shared last Sunday. But that's okay because if you're like me you probably nodded off on the couch while Rob was speaking and so you need a refresher with a few new ideas thrown in as well. So let me begin with an observation. Things have changed, fast. On March 11th, the World Health Organization declared a global pandemic, and suddenly life as we know it changed. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau took to daily press briefings where he told Canadians to do their duty. Enough is enough, go home and stay home, That is what we all need to be doing. Remember that? And then on March 19th, Blaine Higgs, our province's premier, declared a state of emergency, a complete shutdown of most activity in New Brunswick, using words like imperative and compliance, backed up by a no-nonsense warning, failure to obey has serious consequences." And public health officers like Teresa Tam and Jennifer Russell became rock stars with millions of fans as they told us how to stay safe and stay well. And we took their words to heart. We did our duty and complied. In fact, cell phone tracking data shows that Canadians just stayed home to ride out the storm and followed instructions when they did go out a 44% drop in commuter traffic, a 59% drop in going to public venues, a 66% drop in using public transit. As Josh Freed of the Montreal Gazette observed, Canadians proved that they were really good at obedience. Here's what he wrote. We have largely trusted authorities and obediently followed their advice. Our national motto has become Peace, order, and social distancing. It all reminds me of the old joke, how do you get 500 Canadians out of a swimming pool? You say, okay, everyone, out of the pool. Yes, it's true. We are a polite and obedient people. COVID-19 is a season of obedience. Obedience means doing what you're told to do without putting up a fuss about it. It's not necessarily a word we like because we enjoy our freedom, our right to make our own choices. So our instinct is to push back when someone tells us what to do. And yet I think we all recognize that sometimes we need the discipline of obedience. It creates a supportive structure around our well-being. In fact, it's almost freeing because it gives us a clear sense of what to do and what not to do. And if, if we want to not only survive, but thrive. That's why we all bought in when we were told what to do around COVID-19. Obedience, it might make us uncomfortable, but it's key to our physical well-being and to our spiritual well-being too. Which brings us to Paul's letter to the Philippians. Paul, as you know, started the church in Philippi and the folks in this church had a special place in his heart. He calls them his dear friends, my joy and crown. And the feeling was mutual. The folks in Philippi kept an eye on Paul even after he moved on to start churches in other places. So they were concerned when they heard of Paul's arrest in Rome. And they sent a church member, Epaphroditus, to Paul with a money gift to help with his care. And Epaphroditus arrives and he also brings news of the church. And it's not all good. There's conflict brewing, uh, threatening to tear the church apart. Rob spoke spoke on that last week. Growing pressures from persecution, from poverty, and other things were intensifying the everyday wear and tear of doing church life together. And it wasn't bringing out the best in people. Look, it didn't help that they were also so socially diverse. Remember, Philippi was a commercial crossroads, a city where people came to seek their fortune. So no surprise, Acts chapter 16 This church's founding members were a middle-class Roman jailer, a wealthy Asian businesswoman named Lydia, and a Greek slave girl. And this church continued to grow in diversity and with all the cultural challenges that go on with that too. But how the church was organized also complicated things. Like all these early churches in New Testament times, they didn't have a common building to meet in. Instead, they were organized into small groups meeting together in houses. So you had social divisions exaggerated by physical divisions. If I could just pause here to make an observation. You know, we are experiencing something like this right now too. uh, River Cross is a diverse bunch of people. And because of COVID-19, we are all physically divided right now meeting from homes across St. John and even from house churches beyond St. John. Some of you are alone in your house church, while others are in the company of a few people. And speaking at least for those of us in St. John, we haven't seen each other face to face for too long. And I think we're all feeling a bit distant from each other right now, even with technology, which should remind us to be careful we don't want to become strangers. No, because the church in Philippi shows us where that can go. So I want to encourage you in this time of physical distancing to please stay in touch by phone, by Zoom chat, or in less techy ways. And I know many of you are already doing that, and that is absolutely wonderful. And also, please take advantage of the slow, slow relaxing of restrictions to very, very carefully connect again. Let's make sure that physical distancing doesn't become a more permanent division within our church. Okay, back to Philippi. So they had social divisions exaggerated by physical divisions. Then add to this that some house churches didn't get along. In fact, Paul calls them out by name, pleading with them to agree with each other in the Lord. Check out chapter 4. Long and short, there was a growing rift, a split in this church, Uh, Rivalries were developing between the different house groups And destructive attitudes and behaviors were taking hold Among all the church members Paul talks about these in chapter 2 verses 3 and 4 And verse 14 Selfish ambition I'm number one What I want comes first Who cares about you Vain conceit Pride Wanting everyone to know that you are better than other people Look at me, aren't I special? Grumbling, discontented, muttering and complaining, spoken with a growl and usually, usually with a head shake too. Arguing, bad-tempered disputes, maybe just to stir the pot, maybe just to annoy someone. So let's take another time out here. You know, it occurs to me that after two months of solitary confinement with your spouse or your family or your apartment buddy, They might just have begun to notice your finer qualities, even as you're noticing theirs. Any grumbling going on? Someone once described grumbling like this. Living with a grumbler is like living in a room with all the window shutters banging in the wind. So has anyone in your home recently shouted, shut the banging windows for crying out loud? Or perhaps something even more colorful? Or how about arguing? Anyone stirring the pot these days? Any I'm number one, look at me, uh, attitudes showing up? Or maybe you've got the opposite problem right now. Maybe more like what was going on between house churches in Philippi. Maybe you have a relationship with someone outside your house church that fits that selfish, conceited, grumbling, angry pattern. And there's nothing really you can do about it right now because COVID-19 has put everything on hold. That Difficult relationship is just hanging there in suspension, just waiting for when everything goes back to normal. Look, I'm sure that we've all had it up to here with someone at some point in the past while or are facing tough conversations to have with someone when all of this is over, which suggests that we have a thing or two to learn from Paul. You know, Paul was really bothered by the problems in Philippi. Rob mentioned that Philippians is a joyful letter. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. That's how the letter begins, with joy. Yet here in chapter 2, verse 2, Paul says to the Philippians, make my joy complete. Paul's saying that the folks in Philippi still bring him joy, but there's a joy deficit right now. Their attitudes and behavior are taking his joy away. And he longs to experience full and complete joy again. So Paul offers the folks in Philippi a roadmap to bridge the split in their church so they can experience joy together again. Step number one, Paul says, is to get their heads on straight. It all begins in the mind. You can find the key words here in chapter 2, verse 2, where Paul tells the Philippians to be like-minded, and also in verse 5 where he tells them to have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. Both these phrases, like-minded and same mindset, come from a Greek word which means to be thinking the same thoughts together, to see eye to eye, be on the same page, so that you have common ground, the same priorities, and one purpose. Paul is setting a high bar here. He's saying to them, folks, not only must you see eye to eye with each other, you also must be on the same page as Jesus. You need to think like Jesus so that your attitudes and actions reflect his example. His love and sacrifice and obedience must be your way too. Then Paul expands on this to show them what he means. He says that if they share the same Jesus-inspired mindset, step number one, then step number two they will practice humility with each other. Now, I'm not going to talk a lot about this because Rob spoke on humility last Sunday. But just remember, uh, there was a lot of prideful, me-first behavior going on in Philippi with little concern for each other. So to this, Paul responds by saying, having the mindset of Jesus means getting past your selfish, prideful ways. How? By being humble, just like Jesus." In Jesus, verses 5 to 11, we see a humble God with a servant's heart who puts aside the majesty and glory of being God to choose to become like us. In fact, the most lowly among us, a slave, and to endure the agony of sacrifice for us, a slave's death on a cross. Paul is saying to the Philippians, folks, that is what humility looks like. And that's the example you must be to each other. Be completely selfless by choice. Put the well-being of others first by choice. No more selfishness and pride. No, serve each other with a slave's heart. You know, I'm confident that if the Philippians were able to get even halfway there, the tensions they were experiencing would all melt away. And how about you? If the tensions in your house church are becoming difficult or if physical distance won't let you sort out the tensions in a relationship with another person, you know, then maybe it's just time to simply bring your frustration and anger to the cross of Jesus. Go to a humble place, a selfless place, and others first place like Jesus did and just leave it all behind. But Paul goes one more step. Step number three, practice obedience in your relationship with God. And again, he says, look to the example of Jesus. Chapter two, verse eight, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, how? By becoming obedient to death on a cross. Paul is saying that obedience to God is the gateway to humility. And this obedience isn't optional. That's what the therefore in verse 12 means. Just as Jesus was obedient to an extreme outcome, death, so they must be completely obedient too. Now remember, obedience is doing what you're told to do without grumbling. Well, I'm guessing that the folks in Philippi were finding that a bit difficult right about now. They were already intimidated by Paul's teaching on humility. Easy for Jesus, He's, God's for, he's God for crying out loud, but not so easy for me. And now he tells them to practice the obedience of Jesus, even to death. Wow. So Paul makes a point to encourage them. He's not asking the impossible. In fact, they've already begun the journey. Verse 12, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed. Just as Paul had earlier said that the Philippians gave him joy and just needed to correct a few things to make his joy complete, now again he says that obedience to God has always been their strength. And they just need to build on that. That's what he's getting at when he says, again in verse 12, continue to work out your salvation. He's saying, folks, you've already had your salvation moment, your life-changing encounter with Jesus and received God's gifts of grace. And now... Just keep on keeping on. Look, Paul is basically repeating himself here. Chapter 1, verse 6. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Verse 12 just says this again, that the good work of salvation now needs to be carried on or worked out so that they can continue to build a supportive structure around their spiritual well-being through an ever more mature relationship with God. That's where obedience leads. Bottom line, obedience is how you get to humility, by building on your salvation moment to become closer to God and so that you look a little bit more like humble Jesus every day. Paul is calling the folks in Philippi and you and me too back to our common ground, our shared Jesus-inspired mindset, He's reminding them and us that this shared salvation moment in Jesus removes all the differences that keep people apart and that now we are all called to work at growing an ever deeper faith together so that we'll arrive at a mutually humble place marked by Christ's love and grace and peace. Okay, so let's let all that heavy thinking settle into our minds as we see what this can actually look like in practice. Remember, obedience is doing what you must do to build a spiritual support structure around your life that enables you to grow with God and look a bit more like humble Jesus every day. And right now with all the limitations on getting together to support each other on this journey of obedience, it might seem as if it's impossible to do that. And fair enough, it can be tough because it's difficult to get motivated when we are so isolated and alone. But what we do have is technology. It's not the same as body language or touch or face-to-face, but it is helpful. This online worship service shows us that, which means that we aren't actually totally alone in our physically separated house churches, we can still come together right now and obediently work together to grow our faith to create a support structure around our lives the slide on your screen lists all the different online resources we've developed at river cross in the past two months to help you with this and i know that many of you are already accessing these and that's really really wonderful but if you haven't yet please just go to river cross facebook Or to our website to get more info. And by the way, look, if you're having difficulty connecting, reach out to us. Give us a shout at the office. We'd be happy to help you with this. But whatever it takes, let's obediently stay together and work together until we arrive at a mutually humble place where we all look a bit more like Jesus every day. A final word of encouragement and a challenge as we wind things up. Throughout this letter, Paul encourages the folks in Philippi, and he does it again here in chapter 2 with a promise. They are not alone. Verses 12 and 13. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. Fear and trembling. Look, I think we misread this as if it's describing being in the presence of an angry God who sits in terrifying judgment on us. But that's not what Paul means, no. Paul is saying that we work out our faith in the awesome presence of God, a God whose majesty and glory surrounds us. We are not alone. The great God of the universe is with us, which should send us to our knees in the fear and trembling Of worship. And more than that, God's not just along for the journey. He's here to help us. God who works in you to will and to act. We obediently grow our faith with God's active help. And if God's involved, success is guaranteed. That's what fulfill his good purpose means. The original Greek word here implies that God's action never remains half-finished. Folks, God in all his glory is on our side and will see us through to his good purpose. Amen? And now the word of challenge. Obediently growing in our relationship with God helps us to look a little bit more like humble Jesus every day. But ultimately, this isn't for our own benefit With God's help, we leave behind our selfishness, our pride, our discontent, our anger, not so much for self-improvement, though that's important, but in order to model a better way of living for other people. Chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine like stars in the sky, as you hold firmly to the word of life. That word pure, the image behind it, is like what happens to gold when all the junk is removed by heat. It's so absolutely pure that it gleams with a permanent shine. So Paul is saying to the folks in Philippi and to us that as we obediently grow ever closer to God and look a bit more like humble Jesus every day, We become a beautiful, pure gold people that shines God's light into a warped world that is in desperate need of hope. Obedience leads to humility. Humility shows our world a better way to live with God's help. Folks, we are in a season of obedience. In fact, as Jesus followers, we are always in that season as we grow into looking more and more like humble Jesus every day. So let's take up this challenge in this unusual time, in this warped time, so that we can shine like stars in a world that could use a little bit of light right now. Let's pray together. God, thanks for meeting us here today and for ministering to us in the power of your Spirit. And we just ask that you will continue your good work in us as we obediently seek to be your people and together discover the humility of Jesus. Lord, may we model a better way of life. May we shine like stars and bring light to a world that so needs hope right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.